God, we are grateful for today and for the way that you speak to us while we are here at church, not just through the voices of those who lead, but through the voices of those who surround us. We learn about you and your care, the way that you move, the way that you think, through the relationships that you have blessed us with, and so we are grateful, God. We ask that as we come to your scripture today that we might have those open hearts and those open ears to hear from the Spirit and to hear from one another how we are being called who we are being called to be. We pray, God, that while we have distractions, we have plans, we have things that are on our minds, we pray that you will help us to push those out so that we can center wholly on you. We pray that all of the imperfections that cloud our understanding might fade away into some sense of your wisdom and that we, in turn, might be people who share that wisdom when we are on our best behavior and when we are on our worst, when we are on the church facility or when we are at work, wherever we might be, may we be Easter people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, our scripture for today comes from Luke 24, verses 1 through 12. For those of us who have been around the church for a while, it's a really common, regular story. So I'm going to invite you to please uh, don't read it. (laughs) Just put away your paper if you can. If you have to read it, I'm not going to like go and burn it or anything. Just uh, I'm going to invite you to take a moment and let the scripture wash over you and see how the spirit has you hear these uh, familiar words in a new way. Luke says this, he says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, (laughs) you got to love the understatement of that, right? Like, while they were wondering about this, hmm, wonder where that went. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, mother of the Mary of James, and and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But the apostles did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. (sighs) You got to love the way that scripture presents the Easter story, right? It was just another day for them. There's an old story about a father and a son. His son was named John. They lived in a large city many decades ago before there was internet and smartphones and social media. One day, John and his father, they got in a huge argument and they ended with John shouting curses at his father and storming out of the house. Hours went by and then days and then months and John never came back. He never tried to contact his father. 
In turn, the father started searching for John all over the city, but he couldn't find any trace of him. Finally, in his desperation, the father went down to the newspaper and took out an ad. And it said this, it said, John, if you read this, I want you to know that all is forgiven. I love you, and I will be waiting for you this Sunday at the entrance of the city park. I hope you show up. Love, Dad. And as the story goes, that Sunday morning, 200 men named John showed up at the park, (laughs) all looking for forgiveness. So many of us throughout our lives stay on this perpetual alert for something or someone who could provide us relief from that quiet unrest that so often rumbles deep in our souls. For some of us, we seek forgiveness. For others, it's resolution. For still others, they are looking for acceptance or for inspiration. For some, they seek justice, or for others, it is mercy. And for so many, and maybe for all of us, we are seeking some experience of meaningful love. Sometimes, this perpetual searching, it leads us to extraordinary places, to places of service, of conviction, of adventure. And still sometimes, this searching will take us to the depths, to affairs and betrayals, to addiction, or to self-centeredness. In our continued state of perpetual searching, our desire to always see if there is something that can soothe our soul. That is why Easter Day is still important today, over 2,000 years after Jesus' death. Because for Christians, Easter Day is the day that reminds us that all that we seek, the forgiveness and the resolution and the inspiration and the justice and the love Easter Day is the day that reminds us that all that we seek can still be found. Easter Day is the day that reminds us that no life is too far gone, no person is too far gone to encounter their greatest peace, their greatest adventure, their greatest love in living now. That said, part of the problem is that finding these desires of our heart, finding that balm for our soul, does not always look like how we imagine it should look. We imagine encountering peace and resolution and forgiveness in the sunlight of an undisturbed day. We don't expect to find it in the middle of our greatest disappointment. We imagine encountering Resolution in the warmth of a longed-for embrace, not finding it in the severing of a relationship. It turns out that encountering the promises of resurrection very, very rarely look like how we imagine it to look, just as it did for those women that first Easter day. And so today, we are going to be looking again at that first Easter morning and considering anew what it means to encounter resurrection in our lives, not in the future life, in this life now, including all of its surprising turns and its unexpected encounters. And so we're going to use the word Easter 
as an acrostic to help us remember, E-A-S-T-E-R, in the hope of creating something that we can take from this Easter day into our everyday. So, you ready for this? I like that. First up, E. E is for empty. On that first Easter day, the women hurried to the tomb with their hearts in their hands full of plans and intentions. Because you see, on Thursday, they had expected that Jesus would lead them into this new revolution. And then on Friday, they had witnessed those expectations die alongside Jesus on that cross. There was nothing that they could do in the moment to stop that from happening. His death and the death of their hope in him were beyond their control. But this morning, on Sunday, well, there was something that they could control. And there was something that they could do. And so they went to anoint his body with oils and spices because, see, they were going to set right that horrible wrong that was done on the cross to the best of their ability by treating Jesus' body with the honor and reverence in his death, the honor and reverence he should have received in his life. They were going to bring closure to their foolishly held beliefs that life could be fuller and freer and brighter than they knew it to be. They were going to make it right. And yet, when they got there, heavy laden with all of their expectations, with all of their good intentions, what did they find? Nothing. Nothing but empty space. There was nothing for them to do. There was nothing that they could make right. There was nothing there at all. Friends, so often we show up to meet Jesus with our hands and our hearts full of plans and good intentions. We show up with our minds set on what we could do to make the world right as we see it. We show up full of expectations of how things will go and how the world should be. And yet time and time And time again, God brings us to an empty space, a space just like that tomb that renders all of our human plans useless, all of our expectations void. What the women see in this empty tomb is the same thing that Elijah saw on the top of Mount Horeb. It was the same thing that Moses and the Israelites saw when the Red Sea split and the floor sat empty before them, dry as a bone. No empty tomb was ever so full of hope as this empty Easter tomb, because you see, God brings us to empty spaces so that God can fill those empty spaces with hope and with glory. God brings us to empty spaces so that we can encounter God in all of God's fullness, unencumbered by our own stuff. If you get disappointed that you have all of these great plans and you bring them into Jesus' feet to say, hey, look at what I have for you, do not be surprised when Jesus turns you around and shows you emptiness, because in that emptiness will be God's hope and fullness for you and for me. So, E is for empty. empty. Next up, A, which stands for awful. Our scripture says that they found the stone rolled away and they were perplexed. And then two men in dazzling white appeared next to them and the women were terrified. 
And now I think that this is one of the greatest understatements in the New Testament because you know that old saying, if you hear hooves, expect horses, not zebras. That was certainly what was true for the women that were headed to the tomb that day. When they went and they saw that the stone was rolled away, I don't think the first thing that popped into their mind was that the dead had risen into life again. They probably expected that Jesus' body had been stolen, which would have made those two men in white who? Suspects, the thieves, exactly. And so then when those two men, which we find out later are angels, when those angels appear out of nowhere, the assumption is not that they are there with good news. The assumption is that they are there with terrifying news. We today, we have this luxury of knowing the end of the story, but these women at the tomb that first day, they did not. What they were experiencing was awful. And in all of its awfulness, the only response that they could muster was to huddle on the ground in fear. And my friends, are we not all that much different? that when we encounter the disappointing or the suspicious or the unknown and the awful in our lives, we tend to huddle down and shut down in our fear. Certainly, we do not assume that in all of that awfulness, God is still working toward an extraordinary end for our benefit or for our good or for a fuller life. Far from it. When we are confronted with the awful, we expect, or at least I expect, that my world is falling apart, it will never survive, I will never experience happiness ever again, because I know that I'm not the only one who could be a little melodramatic here. But as we see at the tomb, it turns out that God is at work in this awful moment for these women. And God is at work in the awful moments in our lives as well. What looks like it could have no positive end, the body of your loved one being stolen, turns out that God was working for fullness and for good. So, E is for, A is for, S is for, surprise, There's this beautiful moment in our scripture for today where we know that the women are surprised. They're surprised to see the empty tomb. They're surprised to see the men in white. But they're not the only ones who are surprised. We can also gather that the men in white are surprised. Because after all, the first thing they say to them is, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Hello? They say, don't you remember what you were told? So the women are surprised that the tomb is empty and that they were not alone. And the men in white were surprised that the women had forgotten Jesus' promise. And the soldiers were surprised that the stone could have been rolled away. And the Pharisees and the Romans and the religious leaders, all of them are recorded as being surprised and perplexed throughout the Gospels, particularly here at the end. And yet perhaps the biggest surprise is still for us today that Jesus really did rise from the dead all those years ago, crushing death by death, making it so that in this eternal perspective that starts now 
into eternity that started at that first resurrection into eternity, God is seeing to it that life will always win over death, that hope will always win over despair, that love will always win over hate or ambivalence. Because indeed, life, hope, and love, they are winning even when it appears to everyone else that life and hope and love are lost. That's the first thing that the resurrection teaches us in all of its empty awfulness. Surprise! We're not being lost. We're not being left behind. So E is for what? A. S. T is for trust. Now, The Gospel of Luke is the only gospel that records this funny little story about when the women tell the the apostles. It says that after the women remember Jesus' words, they run to the disciples and they tell them about the empty tomb, but the response that they get from the disciples isn't really what they were hoping for. It says, returning from the tomb, they told all of this to the eleven and to all the rest, but the words seem to the disciples to be an idle tale. Our translation this morning said those words seem to be nonsense. And the disciples did not believe the women. And so the emptiness and the awfulness and the surprise, it turns out that it's not just too much for us to believe over 2,000 years later. It was too much for the disciples to believe just that same day. All apart from Peter, who trusted the women just enough to go and check out that tomb for himself. And he found himself amazed with the result. All too often, my friends, we are confronted with the same choice as the disciples this day. Will we risk investing our trust in the stories about God or not? Often I'll hear people say that they can trust God in the face of the unknown, which is sometimes more true in thought than it is in action. But one thing that I almost always never hear is how we as people choose to commit in trusting one another. We tend to put a really high price on trust when it comes to the rest of humanity, granting trust only if we feel that it's deserved, and even then we can be incredibly stingy with it. But as we see from our scripture for today, trusting one another is crucial to experiencing the fullness of God. Had the women not trusted the men in white, they would have never remembered Jesus' words. And had Peter never trusted the women, then not only would Peter's life have remained unchanged, but the lives of the rest of disciples and the rest of humanity would remain unchanged as well. My friends, other people have the power to lead us more deeply into our experience of God, into our experience of life. But we must choose to trust their witness. We must choose to trust their experience. We cannot trust God and distrust humanity. If you're going to trust one, we have to risk trusting the other. All right, E. A, S, T, second E, excitement. 
I don't really know what to say about excitement, Presbyterians. Because you know that we have this nickname of the frozen chosen around here. And we're, you know what, we're breaking out of it a little bit. It's not 100% as deserved as it used to be. That said, the church has had a pretty terrible history of suppressing our excitement and our joy. We have a pretty terrible history of not living as a joyful people who are excited about the new life that is being brought and choosing instead to live as judgmental people who tell people who's in and who's out, who belongs and who doesn't. I don't know if you guys remember the name Jessica Lynch. Jessica Lynch was a soldier in the 507th Maintenance Company that was ambushed by Iraqi forces back in 2003. And we as a nation followed her story way back then because she had disappeared and we all knew that she was dead. Her family had already started to grieve. But then on April 2nd of 2003, word came back that there was a daring rescue mission and that Lynch was recovered and she was going to be returned safely back home. On April 1st, it appeared like all that hope in Lynch's life had been lost. And with her, all of the love that she shared with her family, all of the relationships she had with her friends, all of the promise that her young life had held, it seemed like it was all over on April 1st. But on April 2nd, in one day, their greatest fears, our greatest fears had been revoked. In the span of a day, presumed death turned in to certain life. Friends, I don't know if you recall what that looked like on the news. I don't know if you have ever seen someone see the dead come alive again. But it doesn't look like this. We are a people who are called, if we really know the fullness of life and what it means to have life return to us in exchange for the things that steal our joy away, then by golly, friends, we should be people who show it. Amen? Amen. Yes. Yes. All right, E. A. S. T. E. I am loving this. Any guesses what R stands for? Boom! K for the win! R is for resurrection. I have another story for you. There is a Sunday, this true story. Sunday school teacher had just finished telling her third graders about how Jesus was crucified, placed in the tomb with a huge stone sealing the opening. And then wanting to share in the excitement of the resurrection, wanting to get the kids really involved, she asked all of them, And what do you think Jesus' first words were when he came bursting out of that tomb alive? And this hand shot up in the back, attached to the arm of a tiny girl. And leaping out of her chair, she shouted out excitedly, I know, I know. And the teacher says, good, good. Tell us then, what were Jesus' first words when he came out of the tomb? And extending her arms high in the air, the little girl goes, ta-da! My friends, the resurrection is the central event to our fate. 
It is the ta-da of Christianity. As a word, resurrection, it doesn't mean very much outside of the church. We're the ones who tend to use that word the most often. But resurrection is what we as humans seek in our lives day after day, Christian or not. We seek second chances. We seek to make broken situations whole. We seek that which has died, our hopes, our dreams to come alive again. We seek resurrection as a people every single day. Something in us knows that we were not created for the experience of death. That is why even when you have the most loved, the best lived life of 95 years pass away, it feels like something is wrong. It is still a surprise because we were not created for death. We were created to be a people of life, a people of love, a people of light eternally, starting now. And my friends, that is the good news of today as Easter Day, that God is still bringing life into the dead places of our hearts, that God is still on the side of life in the midst of violence and pain and sorrow. Even when things look empty and awful and surprising, God brings the fullest of experience of life up into the forefront. It might not always look like how we expect it to look, but that is what Easter Day is here to remind us of, that even in the emptiness, the awfulness, the surprise of life, we can trust with excitement that resurrection still happens today and that resurrection will happen every day until that last day when Jesus returns again, because my friends, Jesus is returning again. May we be a people who are an Easter people, not just today on Easter, but every day. Please pray with me. God, we are grateful for the way that you give us new life, for the way that you give us second chances. We think that when we're being brought into emptiness that we are being left with nothing, but you show us over and over again that you fill the emptiness of our lives with your hope and your glory and your love. Even when the circumstances are awful, even when we are surprised and taken off guard, may we continue to trust in your witness. May we continue to rely on one another. May we be people who share the excitement of our life, and the excitement of the resurrection, not just for an hour on Sunday, but every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.